there has been so much misinformation put out from some of these crazy Karens. Blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. <laughs> we have the mother. This is obviously the missing mother. And we have the child. And they just poof, disappeared. It was how he was not only going to kill me, but how he was going to kill my husband. And the race was on. You are listening to The Crime Files with host Bill Clown and Karen Gould. And good afternoon. This is Philip Klein by himself, if you cannot believe it. We've got illness running through this office like you've never seen before. And we also have children of employees that work here that are down. Caroline is with her youngest daughter, Addie, today. She is uh, she's down for the count. Addie is down for the count. She's got the trifecta. She's got the flu. She's got... Uh, I forget what that disease is called. That's in your in your in your lungs, uh, uh, and she has uh, she just got a high fever, 105 fever this morning. So everybody raced her down to the emergency room, and she just kind of smiled. At everybody and said, "I'm okay. Everybody, leave me alone." And got her fever down to 99, and she's home and asleep. And Caroline's gonna stay by her side today, which, thank goodness, I think all mommies, you know, when you're sick, they need your mommy. And uh, Caroline's with the baby. So there you go. So it's me alone. And uh, I, you know, it's kind of weird sitting in this big studio in here with it's just me. Um, I got a production guy that's here, but he walked out of the room and he's going to take care of his business. And uh, he's got some phone calls he needs to make. So he just left me and he started the show and then gave me the thumbs up. And since there's no calls today and there's no nothing, this is an opportunity for me to talk to you by myself without any editing, without anybody going, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that without anybody. I'm going to say what I'm going to say today. And today is a Thanksgiving message to everyone. You know, we are very fortunate. Uh, and I was flying home uh, the other day, and I had a long time to think. I've been out of the country, and uh, I kind of closed my eyes and and uh, kind of thought about what I wanted to say. And I've got my thoughts down in my brain, which is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, anyway, I have my thoughts down in my brain, and uh, I'm going to be able to articulate some stuff that I've been wanting to say, but we just haven't had time. It's Thanksgiving week when I'm recording this. This is on a Monday afternoon or Monday morning, actually. And um, I just want to I just want to articulate some things and kind of come out with a message today. You know, the job I have and I can only do this through my experience, but the job I have is a very hard job. I'm not going to fluff it. I'm not going to say, oh, it's easy. I can do whatever. It's a very hard job. Anybody who does this professionally for a living, and I'm not talking about you little weekend warriors that sit in your, sit in your, <clears throat> sit in your homes and you have a laptop and your, or maybe even just a, a telephone device and you all of a, all of a sudden turn into a super sleuth and do what the rest of the public does. Take a snippet of something and then say, aha, liar. You know, that's, that's, those, these are the people that we just, we just feel sorry for. They don't have a life and uh, they need to get a life. If they put as much effort into their relationships and their families and their communities uh, that they put into, aha, he's a liar. Uh, I think that the world would be a better place. And I'm not talking about one individual case. I'm talking about a lot of different cases. So you're going to have to excuse me. Every once in a while you hear me do this. I have a hot chocolate down here on the coast in Texas. It's 42 degrees and it is, uh, raining very cold rain we're not used to this down here in southeast texas although it comes every once in a while but they keep telling us it's not going to stop all the way through the thanksgiving week we'll get a little bit of a warm-up and then it'll be back to cold uh, over the weekend which is good for the deer hunters i've heard a lot of people saying they're not seeing any deer 
you know, the rut around here doesn't start till eh, about right now. It should with this cold weather. Um, but the deer are definitely, I, I saw five deer on my way um, through Southeast Texas uh, uh, this past week uh, on the side of the road. And we, you never see dead deer laying on the side of the road down here. But I saw five. Full moon was up. The wackos were out. <laughs> I'd make myself laugh sometimes. But <clears throat> I just wanted to uh, take this opportunity to, to have a uh, kind of a Thanksgiving message. I know a lot of you will be spending time with your families. Maybe if you get anything out of what I'm going to say today, uh, it's kind of a snippet from speeches that I've been giving. Uh, I, as some of you might know, I'm out on the speaking circuit sometimes when I feel like getting out and about. I have some extra time. I get invited to different uh, 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 motivational speaking opportunities. Uh, I get invited to... Uh, uh, speak in front of uh, like chambers of commerces, that sort of thing. Uh, not necessarily on on any specific case, but mostly on uh, my trials and tribulations as an, an investigator and personal protection officer. As you know, you know I say this a lot. <clears throat> some of our best work, some of our best work in our industry will never be told, and the reason for that is is that is that. You know, there's legal issues, one. Uh, two, there's, uh, you know, Privacy Act issues, two. And three, most importantly, sometimes families just don't want want their business out in public. And so we we don't ever ask. They always tell us, hey, look, uh, if there's anything media-wise, we want you guys to handle it. You guys have done this for 30-some-odd years, 37 now, 38 here um, in, in just a little while. Uh, so... Uh, you know that's where we are, and uh, that's how come we don't uh, we don't talk about things. We do use the media, as you know, to get a message out. Um, sometimes it's a sub, uh, subliminal message. Uh, sometimes it's an outward, straight up message. But there are times where we do use the media to get our message out, and those are the high profile cases where the. Uh, Karens usually end up and some of the uh, some of the people that think they know something or try to put points together to say, you know, either I'm a liar or I'm a Superman or whatever they call me for the week. Um, you know, there's a lot of things they don't know behind the scenes. They don't know the case like we know the case. Uh, and uh, there are a couple of cases that, you know, we were in the case within two, three, four days of the case happening and um, of the person going missing. So it's it's kind of one of those things. What we try to do uh, very, very, very strenuously is to get good, accurate information out. Um, now, some people will grab that information, let's say, from week one in a case and then compare it to something in week 54 in a case. You know, cases ebb and flow. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of leads me into what I want to talk about today. No specific case, really. I just want to visit with you guys, our followers. We have now 27,600 followers out there. That's huge. Uh, Facebook has visited with us about, um, you know, money and all this other stuff. You know, I, I just know. I, I, you know, we're here to uh, uh, answer questions and bring people home, uh, you know, and so I wanted it to hear, I wanted you to hear it from me on some of the comments that have been made um, and explain it a little bit more deeper. Um, a couple of, one case in particular has a lawsuit that is going to be filed here, I think maybe today. Uh, if not today, it'll be a week from today. Uh, it'll be filed and you guys can read it. And, uh, you know, uh, um, and so we'll discuss maybe a, t a tad bit of that, but I can't, I'm, I'm precluded now from discussing anything because I'm a material witness and the lawyers have all said, well, Hey, you know, please, you know, let's not talk about the case anymore. 
uh, out in the general public. So we shut it down about a week, maybe two ago, and we're not talking about it. But um, I want to, I want, I want to, for those of you that don't know me and you only hear what you hear from the Karens on the internet, uh, I want, the first thing I wanted to try to do with, uh, with this podcast today is kind of tell you a little bit about me. Uh, you know, I was up in West Texas at Texas Tech. I was on a full ride scholarship at Texas Tech um, until uh, 1979, January of 1979, when they came to us, uh, the athletic director um, and uh, the uh, actually the vice president of student affairs came knocking at my door. I was rooming with one of the quarterbacks at Texas Tech uh, in Murdo Hall, and uh, they knocked on the door and um, he turned around, looked at me, he said, I think these guys are here for you. And so I said, Oh, hello. And he said, can we come down to the commons and sit down at a table? And I said, sure. And he was like, what did you do? Jesus, what did you do? And I couldn't think of anything. You know, of course I'm riding down the elevator with him thinking, Oh my God, what did I do? And I got to the bottom floor. Um, and, um, uh, we sat down at a table and they just both looked at me with stern faces and say, we don't know how you're going to take this. I said, okay, w- take what? And, and classes hadn't started yet. And we were on two a days. We get, I get up at four 30 in the morning, swim from five to seven, uh, go get something to eat, um, go lay down a little bit, sleep a little bit. And of course classes hadn't started, but we had full run of the, of uh, Murdo Hall because that was the uh, that was the overflow uh, from uh, uh, from the uh, from the athletic dorm where they kept the baseball players. You know, we were swimmers and so we were out in another dorm. But anyway, long story short, he says, uh, "Well, got bad news. Uh, we just heard from the United States Olympic Committee." I'm like, oh, did I do something wrong? Because I had trained uh, during the Christmas period up in uh, Mission Viejo, California with uh, a few big names, Rowdy Gaines, Mark Spitz was out there, my good friend Ted Knapp, uh, Kyle Ditzler, all these guys that were vying for positions with the United States Olympic team, uh, as well in Colorado Springs, where we had a training center there. But anyway, um, we were working out and I was going to uh, weights in the afternoon and then at night, 4.30, 6.30, we'd have another. I was swimming up to five miles a day and I was a pretty stout guy. And I kind of knew my surroundings. And I kind of knew I was in a position with the big dogs coming to talk to you. It's never good. So these two guys explained to me that the United States Olympic Committee through the president of the United States back then was Jimmy Carter, had made the decision that uh, we were withdrawing from the Moscow Olympics uh, because of um, the embargo. And uh, that was that. And I kind of looked at him. I said, "Okay, what does that mean for me? That means that they have cut off Olympic money for your scholarship. That means your scholarship is is. renounced and uh, you no longer have a scholarship. I just kind of looked at him. I said, the reason we're doing this right now is because we're shutting the swimming program down at Texas tech. And because they they knew what was going to happen, all the guys that were on my level were going to go, Oh yeah. And here comes Alabama. Here comes uh, LSU. Here comes university of Texas. Here comes SMU TCU swimming, all these big powerhouses that were swimmers, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, that they had big swimming programs back then. And they were all going to come pick and choose. And I had to kind of think to myself, you know, okay, what are you going to do? I mean, really, what, what am I going to do? I'm two full years in at Texas Tech, and I had to make a decision. And my decision was this. Here's my decision. That I said, well, what if I decide to stay at Tech? And their first words out of their mouth was, you're going to have to find a way to pay it. And I'm like, okay, how much is that a year? Well, staying where you're staying, it's roughly going to be about $3,100 a semester. 
And I'm thinking today, I'm thinking to myself, that's a steal, $3,100 a semester, right? Um, and I think a semester hour was something like $42, $41 a, uh, an hour. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, la, la, la. Um, that's a lot of money. I don't have that kind of money. My mom and dad were not rich people. And the oil embargo was in its full second year. If remember the remember waiting in lines for gasoline, I remember that. I remember being 18 years old, leaving for college the night before I left, and my dad said, "Here, son, here's twenty dollars. Go fill up with gas in my little Ford Pinto." And it was all a twenty dollars plus more. And back then, that was a lot of money because. You remember, gas back then was $0.89 cents a dollar a gallon, something like that. But it had jacked itself all the way up to 2 and 3 and $4, kind of where we're at today. And so, I made the decision I, in the back of my mind. I just knew I loved Texas Tech University. I, ju- I just loved West Texas. I loved the campus. I had made so many friends. Uh, I had joined a fraternity. Um, I was really into campus life. So, when they left, and I went back upstairs, and I sat down, and I looked over at Trace, and I said, Trace, what do I do? He says, you got to call your parents. So, I picked up the phone, and I called my dad, and I said, uh, and my dad answered. I said, hey, Dad, it's Philip. Hey, Philip, what are you calling for? Now, remember, back then, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have texting. We didn't have email. We didn't have any of that stuff. You wanted to talk to your parents, you had to pick up the phone and call, and it was like 65 cents a minute. I mean, that, that was expensive. AT&T was making a bunch of money, but they weren't that yet. I think they were still Southwestern Bell. Hang on, i got to take a sip. Mm, that's so good. And so I, um, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to tell my parents this? Because they work so hard. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was on the oil field. My dad was laid off. My mom's salary was the only thing that was there. And remember, teachers back then were making sixteen to twenty thousand dollars a year. You can't pay for a kid in college and two other kids, one fixing to go to college, and the other one who was what eleven years younger than me. Um, you know, w- what are you going to do now? He said, "Well, Philip," he said, uh, "We can't pay for your college." I said, "Okay." He said, uh, in fact, we can't pay anything. We don't have any money. Uh, we're a little bit behind on the house payment, but the bank is working with us, trying to get us caught up. He was saying a couple of things that made a lot of sense. And I was thinking to myself, okay. I said, well, Dad, can you give me 24 hours and let me think about this? And he said, absolutely. But what we want you to do is we want you to pack your car up and come on home. You can live here in the house. You can go to University Houston, uh, and you can finish up at University Houston. And I thought to myself, I don't want to go back to Houston. I mean, I enjoyed Lubbock so much, and the people were so different and so nice, and they they did so much for others. Anyway, um, I looked over at Trace when I had the phone. He said, my mom and dad want me to come home. He goes, well, you have another alternative. I said, what's that? He said, you can get a job. I went, yeah, okay. I've had jobs over summers. I've done things, you know, I've made money. I'm, I was what at that time? I think 20, 19 years old, 20. Uh, fiction turned 21. And I was thinking to myself, well, okay, I can do this. You know, I can do this. And this big Philip making his first big boy decision in his life. And I got a couple of calls from some coaches, but they had some rides, very good ones, but still, I'd have to get a job. And if you're going to be a United States swimmer, Olympic swimmer, you're going to have to dedicate yourself to that. You can't be, I mean, I guess you could, but I guess I I figured I couldn't do it. And if I wasn't in 100%, it wasn't going to happen. So I made the decision very quickly that I was going to stay at Tech. And I, I looked over at Trace. I said, Trace, do you know anybody I can get a job from? And he goes, oh, hell yeah. He picked up the phone and he called his dad. His dad was a captain for the Lubbock City Fire Department. And this is important because this is where I, I learned a lot of what, I, what I've done in life. He said, Dad, uh, and I knew them because I had stayed in town uh, during training periods, like <clears throat> a 
over Christmas, some Thanksgivings, and stayed at Trace's house with his mom and dad. And we did uh, we did what we called. Uh, uh, you know, family time. Uh, I, they brought me into their family and we ate dinner together and I did chores around the house as a thank you. And he, and you know, his father was gone for 24 hours at a time, then 48 hours off. And so I got to know the family pretty well. And he said, uh, we have a dispatcher's position open from 12 o'clock, uh, from 11 o'clock at night till seven o'clock in the morning. And I was thinking, I'm not doing anything from 11 to 7 other than the occasional beer down at Sneaky Pete's or, you know, hanging out with the fraternity guys at the fraternity house before a football game, after a football game, whatever. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? I could do this. And the shifts were Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night uh, and Thursday night. And you get Friday and Saturday off. And I was thinking, Hmm, you know, for a college student Friday and Saturday off, that's a big deal. I didn't think it through, but that was a big deal. So I took the job and I was a dispatcher for the Lubbock Fire Department way, way, way back in the 70s. Lubbock EMS was also involved, so I switched back and forth. See, uh, the EMS was run by the hospital district, fire department was run by the city, so they kind of flipped me back and forth. Uh, I eventually went to the academy. Uh, I was already a basic EMT in the EMT committee. The, uh, it was a class you could take uh, in coordination at Lubbock Christian College. Uh, it was a class you could take, a special skills class, all these things that you start to be a paramedic with as you're working your way up the ranks of emergency medical services. And so I got all these certifications, worked at night. And it turned out that um, I had a guardian angel up there that was looking after me. His name's Doak and Abnett. Doak uh, was my first chief, chief of EMS. And I worked directly under him in dispatch. This is before 911. This is before, you know, this is before anything. Um, and it was a wonderful opportunity for me to learn from a mature man. Now, was I a mature young man? No, not by any chance. I was just a college punk. And he shepherded me into to, uh, a phrase I use a lot in my speeches. And that phrase is this. What's important? He asked me one time, what was important in my life? Now, I've talked to Doak since then, and I've we just had a big reunion in Lubbock. Uh, with all the old guys, and um, I'm one of the old guys now. And I talked to Doak, and I said, Doak, do you remember talking to me about the phrase you gave me? What made you successful at that age to be a chief? A chief, not a captain, not a lieutenant, um, but a chief. And he kind of looked at me and said, well, I said, do you remember you talking to me about getting my priorities right and making sure I had my priorities right? And he said, well, yeah, I kind of do. I said, you remember that phrase you gave me? He goes, what is it? I said, God, family, and every, and all other, or everything else, or whatever you want to say. It. I like to say everything else. God, family, and everything else. Through my career, through the fire service, EMS, uh, Prudential Equifax, uh, moving into my own practice in 92, there have been days where I've been up at that office or this office still like last night till two or three in the morning where we captured a runaway. Can't talk about it yet because there's charges that are going to need to be filed. But we had a runaway we caught last night at three o'clock in the morning, far, far away from Texas. And I have sat there and stared at the ceiling. Sleeping at night, I'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. One of these cases will just be buzzing around in my head, and I'll stare at the ceiling, and I'll think about it. And it'll be God, family, everything else. My trust in God, my trust in my family, and my trust in all other. You know, I have a phrase around this office, and, and Caroline especially says, you say that all the time. And I say it, everything will be okay. God will never give you anything you can't handle. You may think you can't handle it, but a year later you'll go, I can't believe I handled this. (laughs) 
you know. And another part of my speech that I give, uh, you know, my motivational speech that I give that I, people seem to like. I'm kind of laid back. Usually I'm a little bit more animated, as you, some of you may know. Um, is the day I left for Texas Tech University with my Ford Pinto packed with stereo gear, clothes, carpet, I don't know, what out there, whatever the hell else I had. And uh, my dad gave me three bits of advice. And I kind of break it up a little bit. When you find a place, when you find a place, make it better than you found it. You know what it is when you walk in, make it better when you walk out. And always thank a man for a job. He didn't have to give you that job, but he trusted you. Thank him for trusting you. Think about that. That's from a old man, my dad. Never was a millionaire like some of the other oil men. He made a good living some of the years. Formed his own company in the 90s and died in 2008 after he got in a wreck in Sarasota, Florida and hit a coconut tree. And he never came out of it. And when I sat there and I saw my dad in that condition... These are the things that I thought about. Make a place better than you found it. And always thank a man for a job. Shake his hand. Thank him. Two, always do the right thing. You'll be given opportunities in your life to do the wrong thing. Make up a story. Right? Get mad and want to fight somebody. Right? Think about this. Lie, right? Try to get something up on somebody, something over on somebody, right? Do the right thing. If it's none of your business, stay out of it, right? If you lied, go apologize. Look, I made this up. I'm sorry. It's very easy to do, to do the right thing. If a guy's speeding and he's zooming by you, don't chase him. Let him go. He's either going to crash or get caught by the cops. I say that because I was just going down the highway a minute ago and there was a car that zoomed by me. Uh, what do you call those? Dodger, Dodge Chargers. That's what it was, a Dodge Charger. He was hauling butt. And I thought to myself, hmm, wow, glad I'm not involved in that. Men came over the next over um, uh, the next part of the highway, the overpass on the highway, and there were two DPS trippers had him pulled over. What's he doing? He's sitting out there yelling and screaming at the DPS troopers for pulling his ass over. And I thought to myself, he's mad at getting pulled over. Are you kidding me? He had to be going in the pouring rain. He had to be going at least ninety to a hundred miles an hour. Easy probably over that he should have done the right thing rolled down the window and said yeah i'm a jerk and i got a fast car and my middle name's ricky bobby and you know i just want to go fast the cops probably if he had done that been honest with him and say hey guess what i'm going to give you a ticket for 65 and a 55 but you know if i see you again i'm writing your color car down i'm writing everything down if i see you again and you do it again i'm not only going to write you a ticket i'm going to arrest you for unsafe driving should have done it but he didn't he was out there slamming his door screaming throwing his hands in the air and i looked it over a couple of cars that went by me and they were laughing i mean you know it's just some stupid people in this world that think they are better than anybody else and they can get away with it well guess what and the last of the um, of the uh, thing is uh, of what my dad gave me of advice is always give back to the community what the community has given to you. Now it's the holiday season coming up. I like to do a thing called a secret Santa. I usually pick a law enforcement agency or I pick. Uh, a hospital or fire service or something. 
As many of you know, I was uh, with the Needle and Fire Department for 27 years as a firefighter EMT. Um, People say, well, where did you find the time? Well, rather than sleep, I was crawling through a house that was on fire trying to figure out, you know, if there's anybody in or trying to put the fire out or trying to do something or standing on top of a car that was flipped over with people trapped and screaming and using the jaws to get them up. That's what I did. Why did I do that? People say, oh, my God, you, you've got the prestige, you've got the money, you've got all the... And I go, no, uh-uh. I'm just one of the next guy down the street. And I hear the, my father's voice. Philip, if you get the opportunity in life, give back to the community what the community's given to you. And that was my way of giving back. As well, you know, I do the Secret Santa program. You can probably Google it in Nederland, Texas, and you can see what's happened. Uh, uh, you know, certain little people around town that, you know, have something horrible that's happened in their life or maybe, you know, a couple of things. I don't want to tell about the program because we're doing it again this year. I don't want people to know where it's coming from. But I, I, I try to do something good. Now, why do I do that? Because the community has been so good to me. They've been good to me in my, my uh, personal life. They've been there to support me during some really horrific events, the death of my father, um, other things I just don't want to talk about. They have been there for me in my business career. And they have been there for me around the state of Texas in political events, in politics, when they didn't have to. And so it's given me the opportunity to have great clients, great friends, and a great community to which I live in. Is it the best community to live in? Probably not, but it's my community, and I embrace it. Um, It's one of the things I've told uh, my children as I get older and start moving towards, not yet, but start moving towards retirement. They will will be taking over a company that is sound, hardworking, and that we have a a teamwork atmosphere. And I want to make sure that that teamwork atmosphere continues. So that kind of gives you an idea of who I am and what I do. Now let's talk about the big elephants in the room. Time for a sip. Stand by. Oh, that tastes so good. Okay. So I want to use this as a motivational opportunity. Some of you um, up in Idaho, Washington State, California, where we have these cases, seemingly believe that everybody believes what you put on the internet. Don't know what to say about that. Everybody has an opinion, and I, for one, am a First Amendment advocate. I want you to say what you think. I think, I think, I think. Okay? I want you to do that. This Thanksgiving, it is very important for you folks up in the northern part of the United States, who you know we've been there, who you know we've been around town. People come up and shake my hand. Hello. Good to see you back, Mr. Klein. You're going to solve this case. Why are people like they are? And, and again, remember, for all the good people, let's say there's a thousand good people, there's four bad people. There's four people that try to think they know more than they do. Some of that is designed by me, whereas I get them thinking one way, one way and they, oh, 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 we'll get them, we'll get them, we'll get them. Some of it is the other way, where I'm asking for the bad people through my eyes, the bad people to give me what they're thinking. Because if the bad people are thinking that way, the person that's involved is thinking that way. Once you start finding these people 
up in the Northeast part of the United States and how they think. They think different than the people from the South. I mean, it's a complete, it's like out on the East Coast. I was up in uh, New York. Uh, where was I? Oh, somebody. I was somewhere up in the North. And I was thinking, and you see how all the travel does, right? Um, I was thinking to myself, boy, these people think in a different way. Florida, uh, these people think in a completely different way. Georgia, they think better than anybody I've ever seen think better. They're more positive, uh, but they have a problem. They have people from the north that are trying, that are trying, trying to get away from all the high taxes. The same thing in California. Home prices there have gone from a $250,000 home to almost a million-dollar home. That's crazy. You, I mean, the bottom's going to fall out on that. You know it's coming. In Texas, we're starting to see a flood of people from California and New York, especially in the Austin, Texas area, and in the um, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and now in Houston. Houston, Texas, a Democrat. If I were, My father is rolling over in his grave right now. Houston was the red portion of the state of Texas before... It was red. <laughs> you, you, you know, the only thing you had down there was bars and, uh, and barbecue joints and really uh, good schools, conservative schools. Now, all of a sudden, what do we have? Uh, we have uh, independent school districts like Houston Independent School District teaching critical race theory. I mean, you just go, what? How'd that happen? It's not the same Houston I grew up in. You know, my mom and dad kick you out the front door and say, go play on the street, ride your bikes, go out and enjoy the fresh air and have fun. And then when you see the street lights come on, get your butt in the house for dinner. And we did. We didn't ever negotiate anything. We didn't. Oh, I can't believe you're making me come in. No, it wasn't any of that. Go park your bike. Make sure it's clean. Make sure you put oil on the chain. You know, that was my dad, right? Make sure it's ready for the next day. Then come in, wash up, and we'll put dinner on the table, and we'll all have a family dinner. Today, it's grab a bag of McDonald's and throw it on the counter. Um, and so I, I think that, I think that, the, the, that people want to have an ulterior theory. And that's good. But for you people up in Idaho, Washington, and, and you people know who I'm talking about, California, y'all need to pull your heads out. Need to step back and think about it for a minute and look at the actual physical evidence. I think that that's important because we're not going to solve this case unless we have the citizens' help. Uh, there's one person that has put together the... Hey, let's get Klein back in it. And he, she did it. And there was uh, enough to pay. And again, this is another thing. Klein's made $25,000 on it. This seems a lot of money to a lot of people. But put a dog from Georgia and her handler on an airplane. Put MJ Holmes on an airplane from Georgia. Put Caroline Gear out of Houston Intercontinental. Put me in a Houston Intercontinental. I sit in the back with Caroline. We're using cheap seats. There's not a lot of money we spend. We don't stay at the Sheraton. We stay at the Days Inn. And there was a rumor that I just, I'm blown away by this. And I don't know what case it applies to, but I heard him talking about it in the hallway. Apparently, somebody out of Idaho is accusing us of going to stay at a relative's house because the hotels wouldn't accept the dog. I don't know that I got the case right. I don't know that. I don't know. But I will tell you this. Every hotel wake welcomes us. They know who we are. We advance it. Please change our names. Don't put our names on the manifest. We'll pay under the name of the credit card, but don't put our, you know, don't put our information out because some of these damn stalkers will call each hotel and try to find out where we're staying. And then they'll sit across the street and they'll try to follow us out to wherever we're going during the day. We watch for them. And it's not a life to live, folks. It, it, it's, it, it's crazyville. Some of these people are literally crazy.
I can tell you every hotel I have stayed with Trey Sargent, every hotel we have all stayed at, Chance has slept with Trace. It's just the way the working dog does. She's a service dog. Okay? And now with Taz, Taz is doing the same thing. I, I don't know where people make this stuff up. It's just, it's mentally, it's mental illness is what it is. It really is, folks. It's mental illness when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, up north, guys, take a chill pill. Take a step back. Everybody keeps saying, oh, this dog guy from South Carolina who we invited again to come in, look at the file, take a look at it, let him draw his conclusions from what we all know, refuse to come down. But in that case, we offered to come up there. I'll get on an airplane and fly up there. I have a friend of mine has a private jet said, look, use the jet for the day. Go fly up there at six o'clock in the morning, spend all day and the pilots will wait on you and turn around and come on back that night because they know how heavy my schedule is. Folks, they turned it down. What does that tell you? What, what does that tell you? That's the, that's the first turndown I've ever gotten. The second one was obviously in the case in North Texas, where some guy that says he's a crack policeman was introduced as such, and we find out he was a TABC guy. And for those of you out in the northern parts of the United States, TABC is Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission. He was a stamp reader at 19 years old. He has never investigated a homicide. He, he doesn't know what a homicide is. He doesn't know the mechanics of a homicide. But he sure knows how to bash Philip Klein, which is fine. I'm a public person. He has that right, other than accuse me of a crime. And he stepped over that line, too. We're dealing with it. What I'm trying to say is this. And I just gave you two examples. And we brought a kid home last night. And I'm working on three hours of sleep, so bear with me. It's the holiday season. It's Thanksgiving. It's a time for family. It's a time for everyone being together. Why don't you take time energy, effort, and spend some time with loved ones. Go play football in the front yard. Eat another piece of apple pie that Granny made. Do something with your family because you know what? Karma's a bitch. And karma has a way of coming around and biting you in the butt. All of you people out there that write on the internet on all these cases out there around the United States, and I'm not just talking about Klein cases, cases that we're working with law enforcement, federal agencies, that sort of thing. Eaton Blessing Game. His mother now will suffer through, I believe, the 11th, the 11th year. She has been without her son at Thanksgiving. It's sick to hear her cry. That's why I wake up at night, look at the ceiling, say a prayer for her this Thanksgiving. Say a prayer for her. My other good friend that doesn't like to have his name brought up, this will be his, and we have the case we now have the case 30 some odd years. 30 years that he has not been without his son and daughter. They're alive. We got a good line on them. It's amazing how DNA works. They're in a different country. 
we believe. We'll get them. We're close. It'll be big. It'll be national. It's stuff Dateline is made of. But we will get him. I promised him. His name's Lou. I promised Lou that we'll get him. And we will. We will. We will. Will it be a case of what we've done in some of our best work that we've ever done with two countries, five agencies out of Orange County, California? Most likely. But maybe someday we'll be able to tell the story because it's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating story about a church, big church, Lutheran church on the East Coast that provided money, hid them. This guy didn't do anything to anybody. He's a lawyer, for God's sake. He's tried all his life to try to find him. He sued them, and a court gave him $5 million. He sued him, just like it's fixing to happen in North Texas. My gut instinct is there's going to be a lot of people go, well, well, I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, okay. We'll take your house. We'll take your car. We'll take everything that you know is good for what you've done. We will. Maybe it's time for you to stop what you're doing. Apologize for your misgivings. Ask for forgiveness. You might just walk away from it. But you can't. You won't. Because your ego is bigger than you. We've got, and I haven't read it, but we've got some crackhead that's on uh, one of the, I think it's Facebook, one of the social medias. That is now doing the same thing that the radio station up there is doing. Taking snippets and portions of words being used and not thinking, oh, 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 no. Okay, the testimony changed, so they went a different direction. No, what they do is they say, he's a liar, liar. And they know that's not true but they're going to have to answer for it. This one particular lady that they tell me about, I don't know her. She's a crackhead, former crackhead, former addict. Something inside of her is wrong. There is something not connecting between A and B, and she feels that she is righteous, more righteous than anyone else. But what she hasn't done is she hasn't, stuck to the ABCs of her addiction. She's a recovering addict. Go back and read what you should do and shouldn't do if you're a recovering addict. For some reason, she can't do that, which begs the question, are we using again? That gives you power. A little bit of crack in a keyboard will do a lot for you, right? Some people say the keyboard is like crack. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that crap out. But I see it every day in my business. Had a police officer in here this morning just stop by and say, hey, what's going on? Where you been? You've been gone for three weeks. Yeah, I've been out of the country. La, 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 la. Talking to me. He said, hey, can I talk to you in private? Sure. What's going on? I got a sister. And we haven't heard from her in about a week. Would you do a couple of things for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's smart enough to know that he's not smart enough to figure it out. So he goes, like I do, to smarter people that are smarter than me. That's what I do. I surround myself with people that are smarter than me. And I take advice from them. And that's what I do. I've always said this, and people get sick of hearing it. 
I'm just an egg in the basket. I learn from the people what not to do, and I learn from the people of what to do. And I apply it, which makes me one of the most dangerous eggs in the basket. Think about that. But back to the Thanksgiving side. Maybe it's time for some of you out there. Just put it down. Say enough. Go be with your families. Watch some football. Play some football. Watch the snow come down up north. Watch the rain come down down south. Sorry about that. Do something for you that will make you a better person. Go find a place in your community and go make it better. Put a board up, rake, cut some grass, do something. Think about that. If you're leaving a job, or even if you have a job, go walk up to your boss, shake his hand and say, thank you for hiring me. You didn't have to hire me. You trusted me. I hope I'm living up to your trust. Go do that. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Every day we're challenged to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Sometimes we figure it out in hindsight. Oh, God, I didn't do the right thing. Turn around. Go back. Go do the right thing. Do the right thing. It's like that crazy crap I just went through up in Canadian Texas where I was issued a trespass warning at a third location that I was at because some alcoholic drunk called up to the Canadian uh, fire, uh, Canadian Sheriff's Department and said I was interfacing with his children. I didn't even see any children. It was all captured on my dash cam. We have the same equipment police cars have. I have outfitted each unit in this company with the same equipment. Everything is on video and audio. Even show the sheriff. Here's what happened. Oh, shit. Do the right thing. Nope. We're going to issue trespass warning. You sure you want... You can hear it on tape. You sure you want to do that? You sure you want to do that? It's against the law what you're doing. Yep. So I had a decision to sign it or not. So I signed it. Till I got with the county attorney. Said, hey, you you, you can't do this. You, you, you can't do this. I got an email a day after that. Or two days. Said, hey. We're just going to let it all go. We're going to scrub it from our systems. Said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. He did the right thing because I think it ate on him a little bit. And he's a good man. And I think it ate on him a little bit. And he said, I, I you know, maybe it didn't eat on him. If it didn't eat on him, then I'm going to look at him in a different way. But I think it did. I think it ate on him. And he looked up the law and went, eh, I can't do that. I can't do what I just did. Nice young sheriff's officer. Great kid. Was down on the border for a while. We sat around, chewed the fat a little bit. Great guy. I liked him. If that means anything. And the last thing is maybe give back to the community what the community has given to you. 
some of you folks in some of these communities, maybe you need to just like go bake 48 cookies out of a thing and chocolate chip. Police officers like chocolate. Go take a batch of chocolate chip cookies to your local police and fire departments. That's giving back to the community what the community's given to you. Safety, medical, fire service. Maybe go buy a bike and do a secret Santa for someone that you know needs a bike. Go down to social services and ask social services if there is a family that is in need and take a couple of hundred bucks and go buy Christmas presents and wrap them up and put them on their front door as a secret Santa. Maybe some of you business people that think you're all that in a bag of chips. Go buy all that in a bag of chips and take it to a family that needs to eat. There are so many things that you can do to give back to the community what the community has given to you. Do it. Don't do it because I say it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Oops, there it is. Three turns into two, two turns into one. And all of a sudden you're breathing again. My last message is, as we come up to the end of this show, is God bless those of you who are hurting this weekend. Chris and Penny Meek and Tucker, God bless you. I know Wednesday before Thanksgiving, two days from now, is going to be hell for you. Hell, hell, hell. The people in the know know you did not do anything to your children or your child. We know that. Consequently, a lot of police officers feel the same way. Don't listen to these wackos, because that's what they are, is wackadoodles. They're just wackadoodles. They want to prove something. For those of you in Idaho... In the Dior Coons case, think about it. Think about it. Come on, think about it. There's two people I don't give a crap about because, according to the evidence, they're involved. I mean, it just is what it is. This is about finding a body. That's what this is about. Finding a body. Our case file. Ember Graham. That's about finding a body too, unfortunately. There's been so many things that have gone on up there. It'll come together. One of the cases in Georgia that we're working, that case will come together. One of the cases we're working on in Oklahoma City, that will come together. There's another case that we are anticipating will come pretty fast, and that's in Central Texas. We really are precluded about talking about it right now until it's over, but that's coming together. We are so lucky to represent these people out there that put their trust in us. And I want to say thank you to each one of you. And for those of you that, you know, that have walked away, you've walked away. We get it. We understand. These professional investigators that are nothing but yakheads, they've convinced you. There's one case they have convinced them. You got to walk away. That's fine. We understand. And lastly, to you, the general public, let me say this. We love you. Thank you. This poor issue out in Idaho where these four children were slaughtered. We pray for their families. 
We play for the missing because every day there's children that become missing. We pray for what's best for America. We've got to get morals back in schools, morals back in our homes. So, leaving on a positive note, thank you so much for listening to us. We're very proud to represent the people out there. And let me say this also. Say a prayer tonight for the missing and spend time with your families. My name's Philip Klein. I am the president of Klein Investigations and Consulting. On behalf of Caroline and all her team, Charlie, our family, happy Thanksgiving.